Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Transformation is about going from where we've been to a new level of happiness, fulfillment, success in life. And when I use the word success, I mean success in a holistic sense. Too many of us focus on one aspect of life and success often gets correlated with career or income. But success is about living the kind of life you want to, being with your family when you want to be with them, having the hobbies you want to have, being in good physical shape, having good relationships. All of those things are part of the sphere of success. And I fundamentally believe we all have an opportunity to grow and learn and expand the level of success that we have in our life, to up-level it. In doing so, we will upgrade our inner technology because our inner technology is exact reflection of where we are today. So transforming is about transforming yourself in the process of achieving this new level of success that you would love to have in your life. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with play and game consultant Elia Sandovar, and with Oleg Lohid of Overcoming Odds, then do go listen in, but only after you've listened to today's conversation. I'm really excited today to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest, Rusty Gaylard. He's a speaker, a career coach, and a life coach who helps others achieve more freedom and balance in life. A Stanford MBA and successful leader at Apple for over 13 years, Rusty is a certified life mastery consultant. Having navigated many of his own life transitions from promotion, demotion, starting a business, divorce, parenthood, Rusty has learned that how we react to life's events matters more than the event itself. He believes that each of us is far more powerful than any circumstances that we are in. By connecting with our unique strengths, we can grow in any experience and find the freedom to live our best life. And that's what he helps people to understand and implement in their own lives. In our discussion today, Rusty talked to me about having the courage to embrace our vision. And that courage is taking action in the space of fear. He explained his philosophy of how we can challenge ourselves to do just 15% more and how that will propel us forward. And he talked about trusting our own unique strengths and connecting them to our vision and values. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Rusty Gaylard. 
I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome today to the InnovaBuzz podcast from Redwood City in California, USA, Rusty Gaylard, who's a speaker, a transformational success coach, and he helps people experience more freedom and abundance in their lives through his business, Silicon Valley Dream Builders. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Rusty. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you, Jürgen. It's great to be here. Jason Van Orden and Michael Roderick. Now, Jason was our guest on episode 275 and Michael on episode 328 of the Innova Buzz podcast introduced us through an event that they had. So a big hello to Jason and Michael. Now, Rusty, before we start talking about all things transformation and transformational success, um, I'm curious, what drives you and, and how does that impact the work you do? It's a great question to start off with. Um, I, cut, I got into this work because I wanted to have meaningful conversations with people. Uh, you know, I, I navigated the first two thirds of my life without ever really talking about what was going on, what I was thinking about, what I wanted, what my ambitions were, what I was afraid of. And once I started talking about that, I just found so much value in those conversations that I wanted to continue that and offer that to other people. And that's fundamentally the foundation of what I do is to have meaningful conversations with people about their life, what they want in life, where they feel dissatisfied, where they feel great and how to move to the next level. Mm, sounds fabulous. Now, um, I, I guess I'm curious about two things there. First of all, what was it that prevented you having those conversations in that first part of your life? Well, and really me. <laughs> That's the short answer. <laughs> um, I, I grew up in a family where we didn't talk about that kind of thing. We were mm -hmm. like, you know, pick yourself up, carry on and, you know, focus yeah. on focus on the activities of life. So we didn't mm -hmm. talk about our failures. We didn't talk about our fears. We didn't talk about our feelings. Like this just wasn't how I grew up. And so it wasn't part of me. Uh, and, and there's, so I, because of that, I never talked to my family about it. I didn't talk to my friends about it. And that was just how I navigated my life. And it only became a problem for me when I got divorced and I was all alone. I had no one to talk mm -hmm. about, about that experience. And it was more than I knew how to handle on my own. I had a therapist, but that's not the same thing as being able to talk to a friend. And so that was the impetus for me to build those kind of relationships. And, mm. The other thing that I think is interesting about that, just very briefly, is the assumptions we make about ourselves and about life. You may have heard me, Jürgen, talk about inner technology, and it's like our yeah, yeah. it's like our operating system, it's our programming, it's the way we navigate the world. And my inner technology at that point was don't talk about yourself and don't even really reflect that deeply about yourself because it's not something you share with others. So that's how I navigated the world until it didn't work anymore. Hmm. Yeah, I like I like that metaphor of the inner technology, and it's kind of like because that's the way you were programmed, right? And I, you were you were telling as you were relating that, I I remembered back, you know, I remember growing up, and uh, my dad, bless his heart, and he's ninety two years old, and I love him dearly, but he, you know, as I was growing up, boys have got to be strong, they shouldn't cry, and I even remember one occasion where my son, he was probably about six five. We were at a playground, he fell off the swing and bruised his knee and burst into tears because he was in pain and he felt sorry for himself. And, you know, my dad was saying, ah, you know, he's soft, he's a boy, he shouldn't be crying over things like that. And I thought, well, that's an interesting 
perspective, you know, and luckily I, I kind of got, um, got out of that mindset with, with my kids. And I thought, well, you know, if he wants to cry because he's hurt himself, that's okay. <laughs> Cause he's looking for some attention, but yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Cause we have this programming and, and unfortunately often it does require some traumatic event to break out of that. Well, it, it certainly can require traumatic events. You know, in my case, it was a divorce and everybody knows the story of somebody who had a life threatening experience and came out of it a changed person. Uh, so those kind of traumatic events certainly can shift your programming, your inner technology, but it doesn't have to be that. And that's part of the part of the work that I do is about helping people mm. get pulled out of their old way of being by a better life. You know, all of us get very accustomed to the life we're living, but it's always worth asking the question, if I could turn up the dial a little bit and be more satisfied with my life, what would that look like? And by just in that beginning of that imagination process to think about, hmm, what would the better life look like for me? That's when we start to get curious and then we get interested and if we find something that's actually compelling enough, it'll pull us forward and we can make some of those changes without having those kind of catastrophe experiences. Hmm. Yeah, that's a um, really good way to look at it. I'm one of the things I was curious about reading your profile is you use the word transformational coach. Now we we use the term transformational marketing, and so I'm curious what what do you mean by transformational coach? How's that different from another business or life coach? So also a great question. For me, transformation is about going from where we've been to a new level of happiness, fulfillment, success in life. And when I use the word success, I mean success in a holistic sense. Too many of us focus on one aspect of life and success often gets correlated with career or income. But success is about living the kind of life you want to, being with your family when you want to be with them, having the hobbies you want to have, being in good physical shape, having good relationships, all of those things are part of the sphere of success. And I fundamentally believe we all have an opportunity to grow and learn and expand the level of success that we have in our life, to up-level it. In doing so, we will upgrade our inner technology because our inner technology is exact reflection of where we are today. So transforming is about transforming yourself in the process of achieving this new level of success that you would love to have in your life. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. You've um, and you jumped straight to my next question and answered that already, which was what what does success mean? And um, I guess the the next question that it prompts in in the conversation is how how do we kind of reflect on that? So here am I in my stage of life. I'm doing lots of things. You know, one day flows into the next. And how do I take stock? and say, you know, am I really happy? Is there more? I mean, these, these are sort of fundamental questions that sometimes people ask themselves and, and they get down into rabbit holes and nothing ever happens. But how can we kind of do that reflection in a way that um, we can answer it either, either by saying, wow, I'm really happy and I've, you know, I'm grateful for where I'm at, or no, these things need to change. I need to do something about these things. Well, the first thing I will say is that even pausing to do the reflection is important. Hmm. So many people just go through life, like you said, you get up the next day and it looks basically the same as the last day. 
and we find ourselves in this habit of repetition, of just going through the pattern of living. But which makes sense because that's where our brain operates. Our brain is all about efficiency. If you had to think about how do you drive a car and how do you eat mm. cereal in the morning, like you couldn't make it through the day. <laughs> it, way, yeah. it would be overwhelming. So your brain automates that stuff. It just gets really good at patterns and repeating the same patterns. And of course, the danger is that of that is you fall into this pattern and you never wake up. So the first thing I think is just was even built into your question is how do you reflect on this? And the first thing is to take the time to reflect. You know, most people don't do it. So pausing to reflect is so important. And once you do that, the, the invitation that I like to offer people is to imagine what would your life look like if you turn it up a few notches, even to the point of beyond what you think is possible. And in doing that, deliberately let go of some of the constraints that you put on yourself that we all put on ourselves. So ask mm. yourself, for example, what if, what if your income and money were no longer a constraint? And what if the people around you and what they thought about you was no longer a constraint? And what if your past experience were no longer a constraint? If those things weren't holding you back in any way, what would you love to be doing with your life? How would you design your life? If you gave you a blank sheet of paper, you could craft it in any way you want, at any income level, in any kind of relationship, in any kind of profession, in any kind of place in the world where you live. What, what would you love to describe for yourself that calls you and makes your heart beat faster because it's just enticing and exciting for you? Hmm. Yeah, I love that. And, and I mean, you touched on three, three kind of limitations there that I think are, are the fundamental ones that we all have in some form or other. And that's, you know, there's not enough money. I mean, there's not enough time as well, which is kind of, they're, they're connected. And then, um, you know, what will people think of me if I do this? And um, I've lost my train of thought now about the third one. But, um, you know, the third one was... Remind How me. could I get there from here? It's like, what is my past experience? And would that allow me? Oh, that's to it. Past, that? Yeah, past experience. So I tried that before and it didn't work. That's, that's the kind of limiting belief, right? I tried that before and it didn't, didn't work. So why should I bother trying that again? Hmm. Well, and, and I'll tell you that, you know, back to this, the programming and especially the programming from childhood, my dad was very successful in business and his belief was you pick a good company and you stay there. He worked at the same company for 35 years, moved up the ranks, was very successful. When I, when I was asked those questions that I posed just a moment ago about money and time, I'm glad you brought that in, uh, what people think in our past experience, that broke through for me some of this programming. I had always worked at big companies and mm -hmm. I had stayed there for a long time. My most recent job, I was very successful as a leader at Apple. I was there for over 13 years. But it wasn't, I knew it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, but thinking in that paradigm, I didn't see another option. I could have worked mm. at Google or Facebook or someplace else, but it felt like another version of the same thing. Yeah. It wasn't until I set away all of those constraints that I finally got to this point of saying, oh, I want to do, I want to have these meaningful conversations. And that's what led me down this path of becoming a coach. Hmm. Okay. Now, one of the things, um, you know, you talked about the working at the big company, and this is, I know you talk quite a bit about the idea of having this work persona and the home persona. And, and that's uh, something that I certainly lived through in, in my corporate career where, you know, that there, there was always a facade that people had in, 
in the workplace and in in a lot of ways I had that too and I found that quite draining um, and yet um, when you get out into your own business all of a sudden you realize hey um, why do you do that you know <laughs> I'm going to make up my own rules here so tell us a little bit about why you know why why we kind of are locked into that and how we can let go of that yeah it's a it's something that I, I lived for a lot of years and I see in other people as well is this belief that we have to be a certain way at work. Uh, we have to be particularly aggressive or decisive, or we have to be really good at wielding power and influencing other people. Somehow, you know, again, it's, it's back to our programming, our inner technology. It's our operating system that drives how we operate in the world. This belief that you can't be relaxed and laugh and have fun and enjoy connecting with people like you might do at home. You can't bring that into work. Well, you know, it's just the, it's programming really is where it comes from. And some of that comes from our families. Some of it comes from our culture and society. Some of it comes from the people around us at work. You know, it's just, it's, it just comes into all these multiple places and forms our expectation of who we need to be. And we all strive to live up to our own expectations. So if we see that as the model, then we're going to aspire to that model. Hmm. So the, the, the way of addressing that is to change your thinking about it. Uh, and, and that fundamentally is, and I, you know, I, that's a very simple statement is to change your thinking hmm. about it. But fundamentally, that's the way you change anything in your life is you have to change your thinking about it. And that enables you to then change your behaviors and ultimately become a different person. Um, I've been on that journey myself, just about being more consistent between work and home. And I don't have to, and it doesn't feel like such a big difference between the two because I'm the same person. I'm interacting in the same ways. And I have the privilege of, you know, having a coaching business where I get to be more of myself in that. Uh, it can be a little bit different in a big corporation, but it doesn't have to be that different. And it's just examining your assumptions and beliefs about it and stretching that and being willing to do some experiments it can be really powerful in shifting closing the gap between those two different personas mm -hmm. yeah examining beliefs i think is is a key to everything all the work you're doing and is you're talking about shifting your mindset around these things and i love that what if question so um often you know the question what if that belief was wrong or um, what if it didn't serve me any longer? And what if I changed that belief to something else that serves me better is, is can be quite powerful. So um, I know you have, uh, you know, you have a workshop that is called the power of vision and, and that's got kind of three keys for the first key is defining what success is for you, which we've spoken about a little bit and, and that balance between all the uh, aspects of our lives. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the other keys there. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's the, the second key is really uh, is about decision and a willingness to step forward and embrace that vision for your life. I will tell you that one of the biggest obstacles or one of the most necessary things in doing that is courage. Because courage is courage is not absence of fear courage courage is action in the presence of fear and being willing to move forward even in the presence of fear is is critical because think of it think of it this way is fear is really the boundary of your comfort zone 
you encounter fear mm. when you're getting outside of your comfort zone, which makes sense because if you're outside of your comfort zone, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's logical, but your mm. comfort zone is necessarily even comfortable. It's just familiar. It's your habits and your patterns and your normal way of thinking and being. So when you stretch outside of that, then you're going to, you're going to feel a little bit of wobble, a little feel of that feeling of, oh my gosh, am I doing the right thing? But that's normal. And it's the willingness to step into that and make a decision to go forward in the face of that. And so that's, that's, that's one of the really key elements is, is bundling this decision and a courage to, to step forward. Hmm. Yeah. I love the, love the idea of the courage in the face of fear and that being um, actually taking the action and, and momentum and moving forward. And it reminds me a little bit of um, some of the workshops we do when people say, uh, you know, we have an exercise and people say, oh, this is really hard. And, and then we go, oh, yes. And we celebrate and we say, because that means you're being stretched outside your comfort zone. If it's really hard, that's part of the learning model. Um, if it's comfortable, you're not actually learning. I, I love that. And I actually do that with the same thing with the, you know, as people are coming up with a picture of what does success look like for them. I say, mm -hmm. if it doesn't make you a little bit nervous, if you don't, yeah. like, if you know how to do it, it's probably not big enough. You know, so you want to mm -hmm. stretch it to that point where it's like, oh gosh, you're, could I do that? Is that really mm -hmm. a life I could live? Now you're starting to get into something that's really going to stretch you forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. Okay, now, um, so uh, one of the things you, you've been doing quite a bit is, is these Monday motivational videos and on, on LinkedIn, and there's some interesting messages there that follow on from that pattern. And, and one of the ones that struck me recently was the, the idea of shifting the thinking from uh, either or to um, both end. Uh, and, and, to me, the message was, well, you know, how can I generate more possibilities? So talk to us a little bit more about that. Tell me more about that. Yeah, that is such a uh, such a common way of thinking uh, that we that we have to choose between A and B. Um, and I just I, it's I'm trying to think of an example and nothing is coming right away to the top of my head. But I think if you just search through your own life for all of the listeners, just take a moment and just think about an example of your life over the last couple of days, I'm sure an example will come to mind where you feel like you have to choose. Well, it can be either this or that. Anytime we find in our, ourselves in that situation, it's so valuable to just pause and ask, well, what if instead of having to make a choice, both things could be true? Hmm. One of the really simple examples I give is about going out to eat. And inevitably, I see on the menu multiple things that looked good, look good to me. Sometimes I'll, I'll order two or even three appetizers. Uh, and my partner kind of freaks out a little bit. She's like, Who, how are you going to eat all that food? I'm like, I may not eat all that food. I can take it home, but they all look good and I want to try them. And so I don't want to choose between this and that. I want to try both of them. Uh, and living into that more fully in your life can be so rewarding uh, just to, to break out of this assumption that you always have to have a trade-off between this thing and that thing. And if they're both things that are important to you and you want, just to really get creative about and get curious about how could I have both of them? Because once you assume you cannot, then you don't even think about ideas. So mm -hmm. it just opens the door to a sense of possibility and creativity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you, if you take a big picture view of that, I mean, the classic one for me is in a big picture sense is people saying, um, 
I could have more money and work harder or have more time and therefore I have less money. Yeah. And and to ask the question then, well, what if you could have more time and more free time and do the things you love and have more money? And and then now all of a sudden the thinking shifted to um, well, I have to choose one or the other to, oh, okay, well, what would I do to do that or to get that? Absolutely. And, you know, our, our brain is a answer-finding machine. Hmm. So our brain, if you ask yourself a question, your brain will go to work getting curious about finding the answer. So if you ask your question the way you phrased it, right, like, hmm, which am I going to pick? Am I going to pick more time or more money? Because I know I can't have both then your brain will go to work trying to figure out which one of those two things do I pick. But if you ask your brain, how could I earn more money in less time, your brain will go to work. It's your friend. But ask a good question because the question matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It comes back to meaningful conversations, right? Asking good questions. It does. Right it does. That. Yeah. So what are some Just of one, the... One other quick note on that, Jürgen. Sorry. Just another, the, uh, And one of the things I love about this is you know, if you're trying to figure out how do I make more money, let's say you want 50% more income this year than you had last year. And that's challenging. You find yourself like, oh gosh, I'm not quite sure how I can grow 50%. Ask yourself and get curious about how could I triple my, my income this year and come up with ideas about how you could triple your income. And think about that for a while, let it mull around and come up with ideas and then go back to your 50% increase. All of a sudden it doesn't seem so hard right? Because your brain has now been tuned to this idea of, well, how could I triple? And now to only go for a 50% increase seems quite reasonable. Hmm. So all of these are just little tools about changing your framework, changing the way you look at the world and what you're thinking about. And it has a fundamental change on your life. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of removes that limitation in thinking, doesn't it? If you're saying, well, I want to triple my income, so what could I do? Now you've removed that limitation of the 50% and no longer is a limitation. So when you go back there, it's it's kind of like, okay, there's well, I've got some actions. I've already thought of some ideas how to triple the income. So they should work to increase by 50%. Yeah, absolutely. And and what you just said is so important because the, the it's about limitations. And the limitations are, they're not out there, they're in here. It's not hmm. some limitation that someone imposed on me. It's my own inherent limitations it's my inner technology and when you can shift those and expand them that's upgrading your inner technology it's upgrading your way of thinking and what you think is possible and now all of a sudden you're operating at a different level in the world and you're of course you're going to create different results hmm. all right well uh, what i was going to explore some more was how, how do we start those meaningful conversations you know we're in this mindset of we've been trained and we've been programmed that we don't talk about these things how do we kind of start a conversation and start to practice and build that muscle around, um, I want to do more of this. I want to have these conversations with people that will enable me to learn, will enable me to grow, will enable me to um, interact and build relationships with people that might even be able to help me do stuff. Uh, it's a great question. And I was, uh, I've recently been reading a book from a, a professor in business school and I took this, I went to business school at Stanford and one of the most popular classes there is a class called Interpersonal Dynamics, which the students have affectionately nicknamed Touchy Feely. 
not because it's physically touching, but it's just this yeah, yeah. kind of like, you know, how do you interact with other people and how do you have those conversations? The book has this interesting idea, which is a 15% rule, which means try to stretch yourself about 15% further than you might otherwise. And it's kind of like dipping your toe in the water to see how the other person responds. So if you're talking about work and there's some challenge that you've gone going, got going on with your boss, you've got a conflict to maybe, you know, move 15% closer than you otherwise would in terms of talking about that. If this is someone mm. that you've not had this kind of conversation with before and test the water, see how they respond, see if they open the door. And if they open the door, you can keep moving further. But it's a nice idea of finding an interpersonal way to navigate that transition from we only talk about the weather to, you know, I'm talking about, hey, I've got this conflict going on with my boss and I don't quite know what to do. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I like that idea of sort of just 15% more. It's just like stretching the rubber band a little bit um, to get more uncomfortable. And then if, like you say, if if the person opens the door to further conversation, that kind of expands that comfort space and then you can keep pushing out. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure we've all run into those people who overshare. And so then that's not, that's really a damper <laughs> yeah. on that kind of meaningful mm. conversation. So it's finding that, that middle ground. Mm. All right. Now, um, the other thing that I know you're pretty strong on is, is the idea of action and um, maintaining momentum is one of the um, keys that you talked about earlier. So how do we, um, how do we focus our, our mind on, okay, you know, I've got ideas. I want to do some things. I want to change some stuff. How do we get beyond procrastination and, and start taking some action, particularly if it's going to take us out of our comfort zone? Yeah. And there's, um, a couple of, couple of different ideas on that. Number one is to see yourself more as the person who's already accomplished what it is that you want to do. And I take exercise as an example, because to some degree, we can all relate to the exercise mm -hmm. thing, right? I'm sure we've all, even if we're regular exercisers, I'm sure at some point you've fallen off the wagon and you're trying to get back on. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're in that place, what is your, how are you seeing yourself and how are you talking to yourself? Are you seeing yourself as out of shape and someone who's not a regular exerciser and you're trying to get back in the game? And if that's the case, it feels like you're trying to go from here, which is lazy and sitting on the couch, to there, which is in good shape and a regular exerciser. What if you practice instead seeing yourself as an exerciser? Either recall that from the past, if you've been that in the past, like, oh, that is part of me. That is some of who I am. Or you can even forecast it into the future and visualize it. All of the successful athletes do this. They visualize themselves successfully performing their sports. You can do the same thing. See yourself as that person who's a regular exerciser. And as that person, you're, you are a regular exerciser. And you look at yourself and say, well, I haven't exercised in a little bit. Well, no big deal. I'm going to get off the couch and go exercise because that's who I am. And that's part of what I do. So that shift in mindset can be really helpful in terms of breaking through the, the, um, the, the, the gravitational pull of the couch in that example, or, or life in general about, you know, whatever habit you're in that you're wanting to shift. And that brings up the idea that, you know, often we, 
attach these things to our identity and then changing the identity is, is really hard. I mean, I'll put my hand up. I, I fell off the wagon. I'm a keen cyclist, so I exercise. But I fell off the wagon last year in terms of, well, there were two things. I mean, the pandemic, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and lockdowns uh, prevented us basically going out in a group every morning. Uh, so my reaction was, well, I don't need to go out at 6 a.m. in winter in the dark um, if I'm riding on my own. Um, in fact, it's probably not safe to do it on my own in the dark in the morning. So I'll go out a little bit later. And then, of course, I'd start something and a little bit later never came. Or I'd be like, it's cold. Oh, I think I'll just turn over and have another couple of hours sleep. Um, and then I got to the point where this went on for months. And of course, then I was out of shape. And then I thought, well, if I go out now, it's just going to hurt because I'm out of shape. And so this just perpetuated. And at some point, and I know you're a big fan of James Clear. So um, at some point, I was revisiting uh, Atomic Habits. And one of the things that was in there that really struck me, and it was, don't think about, you know, and I, I translated it into this, don't think about going for a bike ride think about the first step. So the first step, so I, I started doing that. So the next morning, the first step, get up out of bed straight away. Don't don't even hesitate. Think first action, get up out of bed. And then I was up and then I thought, okay, what's the next step? Okay, put on the bike clothes. What's the next step? Get the bike out. You know, and I didn't, I said, it doesn't matter what I do after that. I've, I've taken the bike outside. And then of course, before I knew it, I'd done a bike ride. And I thought, well, that was pretty easy. But I started you know, taking the steps of, well, what's the next step? So I'm not going to, I'm not going to beat myself up if I don't even get on the bike, but I'm going to get up out of bed. I'm not going to turn over and sleep. And so I found that really helpful to start building the habit back. And, and then now I'm back in my regular bike riding routine. Yeah. It's a, it's a great example, Jurgen. And that, you know, that I'm also extracting from what James Clear would say, which is, all you have to really do is put on your biking clothes. You got to get yeah. to that point of getting out of bed and putting on the biking clothes. And that's a win. You chalk it up as a success in your, in your calendar. And, you know, some of those days you're actually going to get on the bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, the, the, I mean, the metaphor of exercise is, lends itself so well to all kinds of things in life, doesn't it? It does. It does. Um, you know, I've, one version for me is I have a morning power hour. Uh, so it's just my routine in the morning that I go through, which is a little stretching. I do some meditation. I do some journaling. And, uh, you know, I, I keep track of, am I doing that every day? And for a long time, uh, a year or more, I took a break on weekends. I said, well, I don't need to do this on weekends. It's this weekend. It's fun. It's relaxing. You know, I don't have to worry about this. Why am I doing this? But I just noticed that for me, taking the break just broke the pattern. It's like, I, then it became, you know, as Monday came back around, I was like, oh, I got to get up a little early so I have time to do this. And there was a little bit more resistance. And so for me, just putting, putting myself into a, just a mindset of this is who I am. I, this is part of my daily routine every day. And I do it because I like the results that it creates in my life. Uh, so it's really back to your identity question is just seeing it as a pattern and just staying in the pattern rather than trying to go in and out has also been really helpful. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious, the, the journaling thing. So what do you, how do you 
I mean, how do you approach that journaling? Is it because I, I find when I start journaling stuff, I'm very transactional, uh, even though I don't think like that, but I'm very transactional. Like yesterday I did this and today I'm planning to do this and this happened and tomorrow I'm looking forward to that. And I don't, it, it sort of doesn't feel as though I'm getting a lot of benefit from it. So how do you approach the journaling part? I, that's a great question. And just to be totally transparent with you, Jürgen, I think one of the things for me to do is to craft some guiding questions to help people in their journaling. I have not done that yet. Uh, but I'll tell you, for me, when I sit down to journal, I, it's really more about my internal check-in about what's going on with me. And I just start to notice, what am I thinking about? And that could even start with, did I sleep well last night? Usually when I don't sleep well, it's because I'm stressed or I'm thinking about something or something keeps rolling around in my mind. So I'll get up and I'll start writing about that. But rather than get too much into the details of if it's a decision I need to make or a project I'm working on, rather than get into that and get curious, why did this keep me up last night? I wonder, is that because I'm excited about it and I'll have all these ideas that are bubbling around as I sleep, they're kind of coming up in my subconscious? Is it because I'm nervous about it and or I've got a deadline or someone's going to see it and I'm worried what they're going to say about it? Uh, this is this is not a theoretical example I mean, <laughs> because mm -hmm. I'm in the midst of writing a book and I just realized today how uh, how vulnerable I feel around that, that, you know, I'm going to do this thing that I'm going to create and I'm going to put out there in the world and whether people like it or don't like it. Uh, you know, I feel a little bit of uh, uncertainty about that. And I'm worried, am I going to feel a sense of rejection or will people criticize me? So I just notice all of this kind of self-doubt or hesitation. And for me, to be able to get that out on paper, to be able to recognize it, uh, it's just, it's a helpful process to be able to move past it, uh, which doesn't mean it goes away, but it means it doesn't control me in the same way. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And And documenting that and writing it down, it just builds that self-awareness, doesn't it? And, and I think self-awareness is something that everybody struggles with to some degree, and uh, many people struggle a lot with it. It's true. Um, and so it helps with self-awareness. And uh, research shows that if you're able to name your emotions, it reduces their intensity. And I don't remember the percentage, but I, what comes to mind is around 50%, that the emotions are significantly less intense just by identifying it as anger or fear or sadness or whatever it is. Uh, it, it doesn't have as much impact. So that's a huge benefit. Well, one, one of the things that I've been working on with one of my um, one of my mentors is naming emotions in a way that is actually much more descriptive and much more nuanced. So, you know, people often say things like, oh, I hate it when that happens. Now, hate is a really strong and powerful emotion. And usually what they mean is, oh, that's just mildly annoying. Um, more often than not, whereas, you know, haters, if they, you know, if somebody's uh, committed a serious crime, well, you know, you can talk about hate there. But if, if it's like uh, somebody's just thrown away a, a bit of paper out in the street, you know, that hate is a pretty strong emotion there. That's a great example, Jurgen, of the words that we use matter. Because the words that we use impact the way we think about ourselves and our experience. And of course, our experience and how we think about ourselves impacts the word we use. So just to take that example about hating things litter on the street, that's a very strong word and people can use it flippantly. But of course, the more you use it, the more you're reinforcing this belief, oh, I really hate that thing. 
And all of a sudden you might build up a sense of anger or resentment and it becomes a part of who you are. That's one thing when you're talking about litter on the street. It's another thing when you're talking about, I'm not good at getting up at bed, out of bed in the morning to go on my bike ride. Hmm. Uh, right? The more you say that, the more you think that, the more that becomes who you are, you're reinforcing that. And then of course it becomes the reality. So paying attention to the words you use and the way you talk about yourself, the way you talk about the world around you absolutely matters and it can influence yourself and, and the experience you have in the world. Hmm. So the, the idea of meaningful conversations is really important for yourself as well, the conversations we have with ourselves, which are probably the majority of the conversations that we have in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're must be uh, listening into my office. <laughs> it's my it's my monologue with myself talking to myself all day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, this is fabulous, Rusty. I could talk on. I could talk mindset for ages, but I'm just aware of, of the time, and I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round, and it's designed to help our audience who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips from your experience. So I've got five questions. Hopefully you'll give us some really insightful answers and inspire some action with the listener today. So the number one question is, number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? I'm gonna to say to trust yourself. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that I was in this journey of writing a book and it took me quite some time to get to that place where I felt like I could write it. And it actually came out of a, uh, you know, a session that I was in thinking about where I'm going in my life and what matters to me. And I knew that having a book was a part of that, but I thought for a long time, I wanted to get help with it. I wanted someone else to write it or to, you know, to facilitate it and really founding, finding this place in myself that's believed that I can actually do this. Mm -hmm. Am I, you know, I had all these doubts. Am I creative enough? I've never written anything that long. Could I even do it? Would it be any good? You know, all the doubts that we all have, whether it's about a book or some other aspect of life. Well, they were all bubbling up for me and just finding this place of trust and belief that if it's important to me and I want to do it, that I can get it done. So finding that trust, I think, is just uh, is a key ingredient. Hmm. All right. I love that. Yeah. Trusting yourself. And and I guess. Um... Yeah, it is a challenge to address those doubts, isn't it? And say, well, I'm going to move ahead anyway. It is. It is. Uh, you know, I think if, you know, for entrepreneurs, they're familiar with that challenge. Yeah. <laughs> we bump up against it all the time. Um, hmm. But I really believe that the, the, it's, it's looking for those things. And rather than a do not enter sign, it's really a green light that says this is the way. Uh, because it's those things that kind of make us quiver the most. As long as they're moving in a direction that's meaningful and heading towards your vision and towards something that's important to you, they're the things that where you're going to have the biggest impact because you are moving out of your comfort zone and you're stretching into something new. So it's even just reframing that experience as, oh, I feel uncomfortable. Reframe that to that's not a bad thing. That's actually a sign that you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. And the discomfort might be... Um... Hopefully this is going to be good enough. I'm, my intent is that to contribute knowledge to other people, to help other people do something. So the the nervousness might be, oh, I hope this is actually going to succeed in that, um, as opposed to um, negative and say, well, it's going to be a failure, so I might as well not do it. Right, which is back to the trust, right? Trust that you have something worthwhile to contribute 
and lean into that. Hmm. Great. All right. And what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? My answer to that is quiet. Uh, and oftentimes for me, that looks like going for a walk hmm. uh, with no, you know, no phone, no earphones, you know, no podcast running in the background, uh, but just to have a little time to myself. Uh, and for me, nature is a really positive way to do that, uh, which is to separate from all of the noise and the busyness and the activities and the things that I could be doing. And you, you may be getting a sense as I say this, that I'm a doer kind of person, yeah, yeah. Kind of person who gets, likes to be in action and likes to be moving. Mm -hmm. So to stay, take a step away from that and allow myself some quiet time to let ideas percolate is, uh, is, is an important, definitely important part of the, the recipe for me. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love the, the idea of getting out into nature. And, and I'm, I'm a bit like you, you know, the, the idea of having a vacation where you just lie by the pool or lie on the beach uh, doesn't appeal to me at all. I've got to be doing something all the time. I've got to have an activity or something. But um, what, what I find, you know, the activity that gets me quiet is um, when I take my cameras and go out and just, you know, specifically for um, the purpose of taking pictures of one specific thing and often it's nature. So it really gets me quiet and down, focused on that one thing. Well, and you're pointing to something that's useful, which is everybody's different, right? And mm -hmm. so to know for yourself and observe for yourself, where do you where do you get those moments of quiet that feel like everything kind of slows down and you can just be present? And in those moments, that's where there's opportunity for those bubble ideas to bubble up. But just to recognize mm -hmm. for yourself, where does that come? Because each person yeah. has their own path. Yes, yeah, really good point. Okay, now do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Um, a favorite resource, I would, I would have to go with my, uh, my closest support network, um, which is, you know, not, not a, a tangible resource available to mm. that I could you know, pass on to other people, but it's the, you know, back to this idea of meaningful conversations, um, to be able to talk about the challenges in life and what you're up against and to talk about your opportunities and goals and ambitions. Um, I just, I have regular contact with people in my support network every week. And it's, uh, it's been transformative for me. It's like nothing short of that. Uh, and so it's, that is definitely my, the, the thing that I'm most passionate about and it's why I do what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we've talked about meaningful conversations and the value in them and having, um, a support network that's essentially a community of where, where there's a safe space where you can have those really deep conversations, um, that's something that I think you know everybody can build up for themselves, and and certainly something to be encouraged. Yeah. All right. Now, what's the best way to keep a client on track if you're doing some coaching work and um, they're uh, hesitant or they're kind of meandering all over the place? Yeah. The uh, one of the things I like to do is just bring people back to their picture of success, their vision of success. Hmm. Um, because it's the, really having a picture of success serves two purposes. One, one is to get clear about what it is that you want, right? So you know is that, that informs actions you can take and so on. But the other purpose of having that picture of success or a vision is that it energizes you. It's something that you want in your life. So if someone is feeling off track or they're, they're hesitant about moving forward, it's just a reminder of, hey, what's important to you? 
you know, what matters to you? What kind of life do you want to create for yourself? And you're just reconnecting with that is, is really powerful to help people move forward. Hmm. Yeah. So how do you start off to develop that picture of success in a way that um, it really is, is what the person wants? Because often we get to this point, and I've seen this in people where it's almost an expectation. They say, you know, you talked earlier about the corporate career and, and how it's the inner programming that this is what success looks like. And some people have different visions of success, but it's kind of like they're not actually, it's not actually coming from inside them. It's kind of like the environment. And so when you, when you say, well, just let me remind you about what success looks like and we're not really getting there at the moment or you're not really getting there at the moment. If they're not really committed to it, then it's kind of like that's not really a motivator. Well, for sure. Um, and so the, the, absolutely the, the first portion of the work I do with any new client and you know even start this before they sign up to be a client is to start that exploration about what does matter to you. And you raise a great point, which is it's, it's, it's easy to give the superficial answer. Oh, I want a promotion or I want a raise or I want a bigger house or I want to drive the Tesla or whatever it is. Uh, but working with people to get past that, like, hey, what makes a good life for you? When you're 80 years old and you're looking back at your life and reflecting on this period of your life, what will have been meaningful? If you look back and you say, hey, that was a great use of my, that decade of my life, what, what does that look like for you? And there's, mm. there's no right answer to that question. And even for most people, there's no single answer to that question. Mm. I think looking for the one golden egg is uh, a recipe for not making any progress because you're just searching the whole time. So finding something that is compelling and really listening to, uh, I, I just, it, your, your listeners won't see this, but as we're having this conversation, I can see you, you're gonna, you touched your heart. Uh, mm. And so listening to your heart, listening to, does this make your heart beat a little faster? Does this you know, give you that sense of energy and aliveness like, oh my gosh, that's what I want. You have to pay attention to that because it's, if it's just this thought process of, oh, I want a raise or I want a promotion, um, it's, it's not really getting there. Yeah, yeah, I love it. All right, and what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Oh, I just have to say be yourself. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, back to the work persona and the home persona mm. and all of that. It's just the more authentic you are, the more you really are out there as yourself. There's no one like you. Uh, so, uh, of course, you're differentiated inherently. Uh, and that's I just believe that's the path to, to happiness as well as success. Yeah. 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 It's. Um, it's it's interesting because I'm, I'm sure in your work, you do a lot of. Um, modeling around um you know or helping people model behavior of six other successful people and it's interesting to you know be really clear on that delineation if you model off somebody who's successful and you know there's a lot of things we can learn from that successful person but at the same time how do i keep my own inherent personality uh, unique um unique me as opposed to being like that person. Yeah, I think it's a great point. There's certainly things to be learned from other people and they can be inspiring and even motivate us to take certain actions. But as you said, being true to yourself is uh, is really 
is the path to, to creativity and success and happiness, all of that. And, and even to leadership, you know, I think I, I also do some business coaching with, for, for people who are leaders in organizations. And my foundational principle there is you are the best leader when you are most authentically yourself, because people can tell when you're putting on a show, mm, yeah. uh, you, you've really, you've got to be yourself. That's right. And, and the other thing that I always say to, to that, um, in this conversation is it's a lot less costs a lot less energy to be yourself rather than you know you're putting on this persona and you go oh it's it's kind of like you're um, playing a role right and even even the best actors can only do that in in small segments because if you watch how movies are constructed they're not done you know a three-hour movie is not done in a, in a three-hour take it's like you know there might be a a filming session of 30 minutes and then they have a rest because it's so draining to play somebody else play another character yeah absolutely absolutely which is one of the beauties of integrating so that you're just yourself all the time hmm. more energy yeah okay fabulous well thanks for getting us through the buzz now um how can people find out more about what you do and maybe even get in touch and reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today yeah the two best places are uh my website which is Silicon Valley Dream Builders. It's svdreambuilders.com. Stands for Silicon Valley Dream Builders. svdreambuilders.com. And the other place is on LinkedIn. Uh, Rusty Gaylord, I'm on LinkedIn regularly and I love connecting with new people. There are so many good, smart, talented people out there and uh, it's just a pleasure to, to connect with new people. So those are two great ways to, to find me and connect with me. Wonderful. Okay. Well, we'll post those in the show notes, post those links so people can click straight through. Now, do you have some parting advice you'd like to leave our listener as we wrap this up? The, the piece that I would suggest is to take some, give yourself a little chunk of time to think about where you are in your life and what your next level of success would look like. Uh, and think expansively as you do that. Don't try to answer the question, what do I think I can have? Answer the question instead, what would I love to have? And so that's all those constraints that we talked about earlier. Not enough time, not enough money. What have I done in the past? I don't know the right people, whatever. Put all that stuff aside and just allow your imagination to work for a few moments. That exercise all by itself can be transformative. Um, I, didn't, I didn't share this earlier, but you know, for me, my change from working in a corporate career to becoming a coach happened inside of a 20 minute talk that I heard somebody give. And, you know, within those 20 minutes, you know, not all of the pieces had been in place, but the decision was made. And it was so meaningful to me. I can remember exactly where I was. I can remember what it looked like, you know, where I was sitting in the auditorium, the whole thing. So these kind of moments can be super powerful. So give yourself the opportunity to create a moment like that by taking a few moments and it doesn't have to be a long period of time, but to get creative and imaginative and open wide up and see what comes to you. Mm, mm, I love it. Yeah. And, um, and if you, if you are open to possibilities like that, then, then when you're in that uh, situation where all of a sudden, oh, that's what I've been looking for. And, and you can be inspired to take action and move forward with, with whatever it is like in your example, the coaching. Absolutely. You're right. It, it does require being open to the possibility. And then when you see it, as you said, it's just like a snap of the fingers. Hmm. 
All right. Now, who else should I get on this show and why? There's another coach that I know, Diana Gremion, and she works with entrepreneurs who are stressed and really, you know, trying to regain control of their lives and get back on top of the game. So um, she's wonderful and she's very effective at what she does. And she's a great speaker and a great person. So I think she'd be a great guest here. Okay, fantastic. Well, we'll um, get an introduction to Diana from you and reach out to her and see if we can find a time where she can come on the show as well. So thanks so much, Rusty. This has been fabulous. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. It's been a meaningful conversation, I hope, and I hope it's uh, meaningful for the listener. So all the best for the future and let's stay in touch. Sounds great. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Jurgen. I hope you enjoyed that fascinating, insightful and informative conversation with Rusty and took something away from his episode that you can implement in your life. The idea of meaningful conversations and pausing to reflect on our own conversations with ourselves were some of the highlights for me from this episode. I'd love to know what you took away from Rusty's episode. Please do comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Rusty Gaylard. That is R-U-S-T-Y-G-A-I-L-L-A-R-D. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Rusty Gaylard. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Rusty, as well as links to the Silicon Valley Dream Builders website, to his social media pages, and to the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Now, if you think you have two people that the information that Rusty shared with us today will help, you owe it to them to share it. So go ahead and do that now and tag me in on that share so that I can thank you with a special gift. Rusty suggested that we have a conversation with Diana Gremion, founder of Successful Life Strategies, on a future Innova Buzz podcast episode. So, Diana, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the Innova Buzz podcast, courtesy of Rusty Gaylard. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including Brian Burkhart, founder and chief word guy of Square Planet and a return appearance by Iman Zabi, who's going to come and talk to us about her new business, Terrain.io, which she recently launched and founded. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember... Be awesome and keep innovating.